Welcome to The Meaning of the Movie, your podcast about what matters most when it comes to the film. I'm your host, Rob Stinnett, and you are about to hear a spoiler-filled... We're going to spoil Empire Strikes Back today, people, so <laughs> I'm just warning you right ahead. You're going to hear a spoiler-filled discussion about the themes, the characters, and why this film is worth watching and thinking more deeply about. I'm Rob Stinnett, and I'm here today by two very special guests, because I feel like my whole life has been coming up to this podcast, this moment. Uh, this is one of my most favorite movies with some of my most favorite people. And so first of all, we have Ryan Frazier, who is a creator, a producer, a graphic artist, a musician, and happens to be my cousin. And we uh, grew up playing Star Wars toys together. And <laughs> we've talked about this movie probably 500 times, but maybe never with the depth that we're going to do today. So Ryan, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. First time uh, caller, but long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And then we also have Darren Shaw. Darren is a literature fiend. He is a pastor. He is a creative. He's a dude who just knows a lot about movies, although he just saw Godfather for the first time. But like other than that, his movie <laughs> knowledge out. is... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to shame. I bring Dude. you on my podcast and I shame you. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> Darren's got awesome movie taste and amazing movie insight. And so, Darren, welcome to the show. Thanks. I was wondering what you were going to pass off as my credentials for being here. And I'll take that. Whatever it is you just said, I'll, I'll take that. I kind of made it up. I didn't write out a deep bio. And so uh, <laughs> that seemed like too much work and it's Friday. And so I was like, whatever. You made um, me sound cooler than I am. So oh I my love gosh, it. Yeah. No, you, got, you guys are cool. And because I take this movie really, really seriously, um, this is, I've probably, let me ask you this. This isn't in the notes. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? At least 20, at least 20 times. That's probably undershooting it a lot. So this is the first uh, film that I, I saw in a movie theater and I, and I saw it with you, Rob, and you were probably four and we were with uh, Margie, your grandma, and I was, I was five and I, I very distinctly remember the AT-ATs on Hoth. I remember so much. And so for me, this, this movie, I've, I, don't even, I don't even know, probably 50, 60 times. I don't know at this point. Yeah, I've probably seen, I was doing the math last night. I've probably seen it a hundred times. Oh my gosh. Conservatively. Um, because I, I probably watch it once a year. It's one of those movies like when the stock market's crashing or, you know, there's just something going on or COVID or I, whatever's going on in the world that I can't handle it. And I'm like, man, I need a pickup. Like it's Empire Strikes Back. Like this is my cheers. This is my like happy place. Like I'm on Dagobah and all of a sudden I'm like, all right. I'm going to be okay. R2-D2's out in the rain. He's having a bad day too. Like, let's go. So I've just seen this movie so many times and I've shown it to my kids. And yeah. and if there's like a outdoor theater screening on it, like if it's ever like any special screening, I'm just there. And so I've just seen this movie a lot of times where it's like in me. And I think that's interesting, Ryan, that's your first film memory. It's probably, it's I think E.T. is probably mine, but this is right up there. Like I remember, I think I remember the, seeing it the time that you've seen it like you and i've probably seen it in theaters four or five oh, yeah. times together yeah, so yeah yeah anyway but yeah i've seen this movie a bunch of times but i was thinking about this like if i was like in charge of like a film curriculum and i was like making an empire or i was making an argument to put in the empire strikes back or even if i'm sitting around telling my grandkids about like the legacy of this film what would i say to them like what is the legacy to you guys of empire strikes back like why is it such an important film why, for you, is it worth discussing and thinking about? For me, 
I, I love Star Wars. I think, you know, most most people love Star Wars. But what Empire Strikes Back did was it really took the it took the, the whole intellectual property, it took the whole franchise and and it sort of started it with heart. And, you know, I think that's what sometimes was missing from A New Hope. But with Empire Strikes Back, we get so much heart and we get so much emotion, we get we get better acting. And I think that's because we had a better director. I, I, I agree. And I'll, I also think just on a if we're thinking of it in terms of like we're we're bringing up a, a syllabus for for a class, why do we include this in there? I think I think we have to include well, Star Wars just in just at, at the start. It's the standard of expectation for what we expect now from sci-fi adventure, um, and I think everything, every every film, every TV show that I can think of now uh, since '77 when A New Hope came out is either paying homage to it in some way, or it's very specifically trying to not be Star Wars. You know, it's like, it's making conscious decisions to not do that because the, because what we love about Star Wars and what we love, you know, what we love in these characters and, and in this, uh, this good versus evil battle and in the, in the lore that they've created uh, is so ingrained in us that I think you can't get away from it. I think it's really interesting because like, Jaws and Star Wars, like New Hope, began like the blockbuster. But what Empire Strikes Back did is it began the franchise. Mm -hmm. Like there were mm -hmm. never really franchises. Like, yes, Godfather 2 comes out a few years before and like wins Best Picture. There had been sequels before, but never like, oh, my gosh, this thing is here to stay. And I think that's part of the legacy for good and for bad about Empire Strikes Back, where I'm like, hey, all of a sudden it's like we're going to have multiple sequels we're gonna have legacy characters we're gonna have like all this sort of stuff where it's like this is a brand and a franchise empire strikes back began that but yeah. the reason i put it in a film class like you're saying ryan is because it has this soul to it and it actually has this darkness that's absent of like pretty much anything that's come since all the other franchise movies, like they're great, but they don't have the like depths of darkness mm. and heaviness that like, <laughs> even though I've seen this movie a ton of times, every time I see it, I'm like, man, this is a tough hang. Like <laughs> it's about to get really, really bad. And so I think it's so fascinating that it both kicked off franchises, but it also has this depth that has not been matched since. Yeah. And, and I, I love how to just with when you watch the film at first, you're like, OK, we're on a new planet. So I think it's the first time in Empire where we're like on a different planet other than Tatooine in, in space. Mm -hmm. But then you, you start to see this edginess and it really starts with like when Han Solo, when he's going to go find Luke and he's like, I'll see you in hell. And you're like, whoa. Yes. This film is not going to be like the first film. This is like literally a class of its own. And if you really think about it, no other film since then has been able to recreate that edginess, that darkness, but still has this hope, the humor, the, the, the just all those pieces. That's why this film, Empire, is a class of its own. And, you know, every film after that, it's, in my opinion, it's just trying to recreate Empire Strikes Back on that visceral level for the viewer. Well, they raise the stakes right away. Like that scene that you're talking about. I mean, the very first five minutes of the movie, Luke is like mauled to death by the what's it called? What's that dude called, Ryan? The the guy who attacks him. The oh, the like geez. Yeti dude. It's the Wampa. Yeah. The Wampa. The yeah, the Wampa. Wampa. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Nerd points for that, Darren. And yes. so like, yeah, he's he's mauled to death by the Wampa or mauled near like do you know the reason they put that scene in? You guys probably know the his reason wreck. they put that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His scars, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, he's in a wreck. And then they put that scene in to like kind of explain it. And so, but it's just like, as a kid, I remember seeing like, whoa, is Luke Skywalker dead? Are we five minutes? Like (laughs) I was legitimately worried about it, you know, uh, seeing that. And so it's just like, Hey, no one is safe here. Well, Star Wars, everyone's kind of safe. No one's safe here. And in a new hope, like we see, uh, we see, uh, Obi-Wan get, you know, get killed by Darth Vader um, I hope it's okay if we do spoilers for A New Hope. Also, we're just spoiling everything oh, today, sweet. man. We're uh, <laughs> good. But but it's it's basically like it's a, it's it's a slash of a saber and a rope that falls to the ground. But here we get Luke is mauled and there's there's some scarring. There's blood coming out, and mm-hmm. then he takes that lightsaber and he whacks off the arm, and there's a there's a dismembered arm like just lying on the ground. It's bleeding out, and I think you're right. There's a the the first film was kind of a romp, you know, almost like a, like a Western pirate in space movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a gravity to this. There's a seriousness to it that they establish really early on. And the blood looks really good against all that snow in Hoth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) So so in the meaning of the movie, part of the reason we, part of the way that we break down the movie is I have categories and it's just like, okay, let's take a category and let's use that to kind of dissect what this meaning is. Um, I feel like this is going to be the most difficult category discussion we've ever had because there's so many great things. But I want to jump right into it and ask you guys, who's the most meaningful character? I go with Yoda. I mean, I I know that that's like that's the easy go to. But when you when you really distill the film down, Yoda is responsible for explaining the force to us. And I know Obi-Wan touches on it, but in the first film, it was very it was very freshman. It was just like we're trying to figure it out. But Yoda, he unpacks these these you know these deep thoughts and then his monologue when when luke is unable to lift Mm -hmm. the x-wing out of the water we go into this masterful monologue that which just makes you gives you a new hope in george lucas's ability to even tell stories at that point because you're you're hearing this and so i you know i i would love to be more creative in who that character is but i just don't think that we can have the force and we can have the universe of star wars without Yoda explaining some really important things that we needed to understand. And it's all off this idea that Luke failed. And so like, you know, even that aspect of it, that within failure, there's still this hope. So yeah, Yoda, Yoda was the guy for me. I was watching it and I was thinking like, could there be an Oscar that goes to a puppet? Like this is going (laughs) to sound weird, but like Yoda's acting or Frank Oz's, you know, like direction of Yoda, like his facial expressions, like it is so good in this movie and it never touches. In my opinion, it doesn't even get close, honestly, to touching the heights that it gets into in this movie with his like disappointment in Luke with his hope when he's about to like that scene that you're talking about, Ryan, he's lifting the X wing out and you see his eyes kind of light up. And I was like, how amazing is that, that the dude who made Kermit the Frog is giving this like emotional performance on a soundstage somewhere. But I'm there. I'm in Dagobah. Like the performance is so great. Yeah, I remember seeing, you know, I saw it in the theater when I was, I guess I was eight. And um, to, to me, and of course, I'm, I'm eight, but Yoda was like that. That's not in any way, shape or form a puppet. I was well versed in the Muppets and I, I knew like, oh, yeah, there's somebody back there and controlling and all that. I was totally bought in that, oh, wow, I don't know where they got this guy, but he's really good. And it is in the eyes. It, it seems like his eyes respond and react to what's happening in the scene. And it really just draws something out of you. I remember watching it when I was a kid and I just thought he was like a goofy little guy. 
and someone like, oh, he's kind of making jokes and that sort of stuff. And then when he goes and starts talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi and we hear his voice and I was like, that's Yoda. Like, it's like so incredible. And I think that's part of what's sad to me is like the surprises of this movie. Obviously, the big twist at the end we're going to get to later. But even the surprise that this little green guy is actually Yoda like, everyone knows that now. He's on a million t-shirts. There's a baby Yoda. Like, we all know that. But when I saw it for the first time, I was so surprised that it's like, oh, this little creature guy actually is super powerful with the Force, and it blew me away. And I thought that was a really kind of a masterful turn, too, because when, when you first meet him, I remember being a, a kid in the theater and just cracking up because this, you know, Yoda is like a Ben Gunn character, or he's like, uh, he's like Tom Bombadil or something. He's just this goofy little dude uh, at the start. And that's what makes it, it makes it so impactful when his voice lowers. And in that scene, he's like, he has no patience. I can't teach him. And he's talking with, you know, it's a, it's a, he's been trying to draw out, you know, who is, who are you, Luke? Why are you really here? What are you capable of? And he's been this goofy thing. And then there's this really drastic turn and he, it just becomes this really serious character. Yeah, it elevated into something amazing. Mm-hmm. Darren, what about you? Who's your most meaningful character? I'm looking at this from a really logistical and utilitarian kind of way, I guess. If you say C-3PO, you're off the podcast right now. Like, the, like Okay, so parts of C-3PO <laughs> in, are, are fine. Parts of him are not. The ones that didn't make it into the into the wiki backpack. But uh, but when I when I think about, okay... Who, who can you not omit from this story? If he's removed, there's just no story. And I, I feel bad saying this, but I think it's Darth Vader. Everything that happens in this story of Empire Strikes Back is either, uh, it's either in pursuit of Darth Vader or it's running away from him. If he, he's like the, the catalyst and the inciting incident for everything that's happening from them having to leave Hoth to Luke having to go save his friends to uh, to Han, you know, being frozen in carbonite. It's orbiting around this character of Darth Vader. Yeah. And I, you know, what, what's cool about that is something I noticed because I, I totally get this argument that you're making. The, the other piece was at the end when Darth Vader chops off Luke's hand and, you know, we go through that whole scene and he could have gone and found Luke. And then he goes back, you know, to to, you know, his command ship and he knows Luke's still alive. And he's then he gets into the Falcon and he gets away. But you can't see Darth Vader's face. But I just feel like Darth Vader was like evolving a little bit. And that's the first glimpse where we see some heart. Yes. We see like, oh, like, did he actually let Luke go? Because in the end, he's going to see the possibilities that Luke truly was the new hope. I don't know. So I really do see that his character evolved in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I think the other thing, because I had written down Darth Vader 2, I'd written down three choices. I'll get to my third one in a moment. But like, he's such a presence in this movie. Every single time he's on screen, it is powerful. When he's coming off to the Falcon and he's right there in the ice cave going through it, you just feel him coming. He's force choking every commander under his presence. He's talking to all the bounty hunters. It is like this guy is the Empire. When this movie could have been called Darth Vader Strikes Back, right? Like it he is the powerful force in the movie. And most of this franchise entertainment that we're talking about. Again, I don't think we've hit the heights of Darth Vader since then. Like, there have been other great heroes. We got Iron Man. We got all these other awesome heroes. I can't think of another villain who is as powerful and has as rich of a backstory and an arc like you're talking about, like Darth Vader. Like, 
there's nothing like him before or since. Yeah. And to Ryan's point, like we, we know now looking back, like later on, we get a lot of that backstory and we have opportunity to feel sympathetic towards him for what got him to this point. But I think that that ending sequence where we're, we're left with, we have sort of a hope inside, like, Oh wait, there Mm, there might, before Luke ever says it, we start to feel like, Oh, there might be some good in him. Either he's doing a little cat and mouse thing or he's letting him go. Maybe he's got some sort of empathy because there's something in him that connects with this is my son. What about you, Rob? Who's your guy? So if you're asking me who my favorite character and who my favorite performance is, it's Han Solo. But if the question is who's the most meaningful character, I've got to be just on the nose and say it's Luke Skywalker. He is the guy. He's our protagonist in the story and his fear and his rage and his emotions, like this heart of the story, like Darth Vader is very stoic. Yoda is very stoic. Luke Skywalker is the one who is like feeling all the emotions and we are getting to feel the emotions through him. And so anything from him, like being on Hoth and trying to, you know, survive the night, him being in Dagobah and like going down in the cave and trying to figure things out. And then when he gets there and obviously has the big, like, a reveal at the end of the movie like Darth Vader is standing there stoically Luke Skywalker is the one who is just like having to go all out and give these like epic line readings and I I actually think like Hamill's acting gets made fun of a lot but I think his performance in Empire Strikes Back is really great I, I think his performance yeah. in Star Wars is a little raw and all over the place but I was like this is a great performance and I think Harrison Ford he gets all the cool lines. He gets the headlines. Um, but I think Luke Skywalker, like there's a reason why we keep returning to him. There's a reason why Disney and Lucasfilm and everyone else can't let him go is because he's the heart and soul of this thing. And I, I just like what I love about Empire is the way it solidifies the relationship to, between Han, Luke and Leia. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think if you share the uh, the, the dead corpse of a Tauntaun together, that's going to make you closer. Right. But, you know, the, the, these guys have gone through already. They've already gone through battle, but there's something about Empire. And I think it's the separation that we have to see yeah. between, you know, Han Solo and, and Leia. They go off on their adventure and Luke goes on his adventure, which we also see in Return of the Jedi. But but what, what I love about it is that even though there's distance, there's such connect interconnectedness between those three characters and like, you, yeah, Luke is such a well-developed character. You start to see that authority that he has. You start to see his command of, you know, of the force. You see his humility. You see his pride. You see so many pieces that we just don't get from a kid who wanted to go to Tashi Station and pick up power converters. Right. We, see, we see a man who's genuinely trying to save the universe in Empire Strikes Back. Going back to your point real quick, Ryan, um, I was struck by Carrie Fisher last night as well. I was like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence had this quote <laughs> recently that like i'm the first like female action hero or whatever else and i was like you know obviously there's uh ripley and aliens but i was like mm-hmm. carrie fisher is so stone cold yeah really interesting and cool in this movie she is giving han solo an earful she is like standing up to everything she like she's such a powerful force and i was like what yeah. an awesome female character and he and they they really gave her great lines in this film. They get, they they made her the the leader of the rebel force that she was meant to be. But then they also gave her some of these these fun lines, like like watching it again. You know how when you watch a movie a thousand times, you see something different every time. Yes. But when Lando is trying to fix the you know trying to get away at the very end, and, she, and he's like you know goes for light speed, and she just says, 
no light speed. Just just the way yes. that she says that line, the way she delivers her one lines in this film, she is she's an she's an actress who's doing a really great job of delivering, you know, s- some some dialogue that in Star Wars, let's be honest, Star, Star Wars dialogue can be problematic. Yes. There there are just yeah. genuinely there's lines where you know that George Lucas really is like, "No, I want that line." And then, you know, Irvin Kirshner, you, you hear the stories of how they talked out the ending where Leia says, I love you. And Han Solo says, I know. And that was worked out with the director. And so for, for her, for really for all of them, but for her to pull off some lines that should have been seemingly goofy, but but you still love them. Another one of those one liners is when they're to drift off with the rest of the rest of the garbage, you know, and, and that's the line she uses. She, he says, well, we're just going to wait till they dump their garbage and we're just going to go. And, and Leia just says with the rest of the garbage. And, and, and you see Han Solo reacts like, ah, here we go again. You know? And it's a real subtle yeah. thing, but what a great line. Yeah, there's Sam and Diane chemistry in that. That's an old Cheers reference, but like that's sort of like, they're both yeah. like grumpy at each other, but there's like this real tension there. It's so awesome. Well, we could keep talking about characters, but I think scenes in this movie, this movie is a movie of like powerful scenes. So if there's one scene that you're like, this is my most meaningful scene. Uh, Darren Shaw, what is it? What's your most meaningful scene? Uh, I've got to go back to, uh, you know, this ties in with Ryan's uh, most meaningful character and Yoda and Luke training that bog scene where he's doing a handstand and he's lifting everything. And, and there's all this, you know, there's all these things going on. And, but Yoda is just giving these, uh, these tenets of, what it means to flow with the force and what the force is. We get it explained to us in a way that we have not had uh, before that point. It gets us thinking about a Jedi as something bigger than what we thought about in the right. first film. The first film was like a right. Jedi just needs to be able to jump a little bit and move around a lightsaber and we're good. But here we realize being a Jedi is discipline and it's faith and 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 it's uh, getting in touch with everything around you and i remember and it's that something through, you have to practice and get better yeah, at, right yeah and that resonated throughout like throughout the 80s the 80s was like the age of excess but still in star wars we get people actually having real conversations about cosmic and spiritual and faith-based kind of things just based on this you know this what han solo would call a hokey religion you know it's 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 pretty cool I, I, you know, I think in this again, it's probably going to be sort of obvious, but the scene on Cloud City and Bespin when they're when they're doing the the lightsaber duel, which, by the way, the cinematography in that lightsaber duel, the coloring, the lighting, the one with Luke and, and Darth, just masterful, like just visually. But I got to jump in here because this movie, like you look at other movies like Flash Gordon came out around the same time or like Black Hole or like look at other like 80s movies yeah, and they yeah. are so dated. They do not hold up at all. This movie holds like it stands up. Yeah, it's yeah. better. Like it's it's better than 90 percent of the stuff that is out there. The practical effects meets the visual effects, the lighting, the color. I agree, man. It is breathtaking. That whole sequence. So when when they but when they get down and, you know, Luke, uh, Luke is is he gets his his hand chopped off. And here's the big spoiler. Of course, the most famous line is, no, I'm your father. And, you know, but but here's the thing about that scene that I think I've taken for granted is when you have that big that big spoiler, that big reveal, you know, after that, it's a little anticlimactic when you watch it again. It's like in well, other films when you find out what that big cliffhanger was and you watch it again, you're like, I don't know about. But 
This scene sets really sets the stage for every other film because it, it puts the protagonist, it puts Luke in a position where he has to make a choice. And what I love is in pretty much every film, every story, even the TV shows, we have our protagonist having to make a really important decision. And so he had that choice. He could have reached out his chopped off arm and taken, you know, gone with Vader and ruled the galaxy as father and son. And he chooses to risk his life and he, and he drops himself. And so I think that even though that does have the great, you know, the great reveal, we, we cannot take that. We can't have Star Wars without the family aspect that, that gives the, the heart and soul to the films. And so that scene is, that's it. And, you know, I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I saw the film the first time when I was five, so I don't think it impacted me the same way. But, you know, you see you see a lot of jokes and stories and like there's a Jerry Seinfeld where, you know, somebody walks out and somebody's like, can you believe Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's dad? Or maybe that was the Simpsons. Yeah, I forget Simpsons which one episode. it was. But but like there's so many jokes about that. But even with those jokes, the depth of that scene sets the rest of the franchise mm -hmm. up. Here's the thing about that scene is it's already shocking that Luke has his hand cut off and he's dangling on a bridge and you're like, he's done. You're like, what mm -hmm. else is there to do in this movie? Like what's going to happen? Like you're kind of expecting Darth Vader to just come out and chop off his head. Cause you're like, mm -hmm. Luke cannot beat him. He, he has lost his hand. He has lost his lightsaber. And now Darth Vader will kill him. And instead of killing him, he says, no, I'm your father. And we talked about like Darren, you mentioned him being your most meaningful character. <laughs> well, we have seen this person who is pure evil, through the rest of the film. He is force choking everything. He is this evil, like Hitler Holocaust, like force that is there to like wipe out everything. And that may be too harsh, but I don't think by much, like he is there to just wipe everything out. And then he's like, no, join me. That scene. I agree is the scene in the movie. If I'm putting my list of hundred best scenes in movie history, that scene has to make it. Well, and, and then, and then Mark Hamill's acting. I mean, let's go back to that. That rage you, you could like there was a, there's it's funny when I've watched these films over the course of my life, I go through sort of seasons where I'll be like, eh, that scene's sort of goofy, but I love this scene. And then I'll watch it again. I'm like, well, I love this scene, but that scene, I don't know if I like that anymore. I just I go through these waves. And I used to think that his acting like he was overacting. But when you take the you have to almost remove yourself in some ways and, and you have to get past the cultural aspects of Star Wars. And you have to really look at a character or protagonist who found out one, his father, that he has a father that's still alive. Too. His father is like the most evil character ever in the universe, because I don't think Luke Skywalker knows about Palpatine at that point. But but he, his, he's he's angry. But then he does that shift and he just yeah. shuts it down and he looks down. He's looking down that that giant hole to death. And he's like, you know what? I'm OK. I'm at peace. I thought I thought Mark Hamill's acting was just brilliant in that in that scene. One other scene I want to talk about, we mentioned it before, but probably my third scene that I'm like, and it's probably my favorite scene in the movie is Han Solo right before he's about to be frozen. This guy is the coolest mm -hmm. guy Absolutely. in the universe. He has one thing about this movie we've hinted around, but like it's really funny. There's some incredible yeah. one liners, some great jokes and Harrison Ford gets probably 70% of them. And so he's just like funny quipping, you know, all that sort of stuff. He never lets a crack in of like what he's really going through and what he's really, he's the opposite of Luke Skywalker. Luke wears his emotions on his sleeve. Han is just like James Dean. He's just the cool kind of mercenary. 
And then you finally get this like emotional moment where you see again, Carrie Fisher being broken and she <laughs> leans into Chewbacca and he's like, keep her safe. And then there's this exchange, which she goes, he's about to be frozen, looks at her and he's like, I love you. And then he says, I know <laughs> it's the coolest line. Yeah, it's on it t-shirts is. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's the coolest possible line in the movie. And yet it still has meaning and heart and yeah. you still know exactly what that means. Yeah. And the, I know kind of what the revisionist history is like, Oh, that's kind of a cool thing to say. But what he's saying is like, I know you've cared about me all this time. I know you've had feelings for me all this time. I know there's been a connection between us all this time. Like that's my read on what that line means. And I, and I would even take that a step further. Cause I, I agree wholeheartedly, but I go back to this idea that these films are about hope. Um, and mm. even in that moment when she says that line and he's looking at her and he says, I know there's, there's, mo there was times where I would watch that. I'm like, man, he's just being a cocky jerk, which is what we love about him. But I also think that it's almost his way of saying, I'm going to see you again. I just need you to come and save me. It's almost like wow. everything that he's done to that point, he's been giving and helping. And now he's like, I'm in the vulnerable position and I know you love me and I'm about to be frozen, but I, I'm not going to, I don't need to tell you, I love you back. Because you're going to come and get me, and then we're going to finish this love affair. And as, another thing about that, too, is I was watching it last night. It was, you know, that line was hitting me in different ways as well. And I'm seeing it follows right on the heels of, of Han making sure that Chewie knows, I got to calm you down. You have to take care of her, which is an expression for Han, an expression of I love you. Right. I'm going to make sure that you are taken care of. It's a great point. And right there, they're in the middle of. Uh, you know, Darth Vader's there. The stormtroopers are there. I think one of the things we've learned from these types of movies is that I don't want the enemy to know who I care about because, you know, that's who they'll go after kind of thing. You know, so when he says, I know last night, it hit me a little bit. Like, I wonder if what he's what he's he, he's always cool and always collected. He always is thinking a little bit ahead. So I wonder if, if he thinks, OK, if I say I love you, too then I put her in even more jeopardy. So I've just got to keep it That's cool. That's a great right take. Say, I know. You guys, this is the depth that people are coming for, for me in the movie. Like these are great takes on the I know line. Can I, can I add one thing though? To, and, I, and I don't want to go on a rabbit trail, but I need to address this. The relationship between Princess Leia and Chewbacca is so special. It's, it's low key one of my favorite relationships. They are for each other. She is, he is her protector she is part of the family and it just what it's what pisses me off about the the force awakens at that very last scene and i know people have griped about it when han's dead you know and leia's outside of the ship and chewbacca comes out and he walks right past past princess leia she doesn't even acknowledge that his best friend just died and she goes right to ray i know sidebar i'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a rant but i love the relationship between yeah. princess leia and chewbacca and i felt so cheated that that the force awakens did that and honestly for me it was like okay jj abrams you should have watched empire strikes back a few more times <laughs> yeah totally. Dude, it's a it's a great point and i one thing about this movie is like everyone is doing their best work one of the person who we have not talked about is uh john williams who in that movie in that moment when he's going down and being lowered down like i can hear the score in my head right now the the big uh, no, i'm not gonna hum it for you but i hear it in my head <laughs> it's awesome it's epic the carbonite goes and so it's just like so powerful like his work and what he's doing there as or, well or the or the, the asteroid scene which actually is my is if you said what's your most fun scene 
that whole asteroid scene with the Falcon and then the space worm that we, we didn't yeah. get any of that kind of stuff in star Wars, a new hope. And so like the soundtrack that is personally, that's my favorite piece of all of his soundtracks is that, is that, and I'd love to hum it, but I'm not going to duel of the fates <laughs> is like Epic, but, but that piece when they're in the asteroids and what John Williams is doing there, it's a departure from what we heard in a new hope. And it's full of emotion on a totally different level that matches the emotion and the romanticism of the film perfectly. So in the running for most meaningful characters, should we put John Williams somewhere on there? Because man, he, he, he makes it what it is, you know? He, he's an MVP. Like watch that movie without a score and it's, <laughs> it's something totally <laughs> different. Uh, I'm curious about this. We normally do this and maybe like uh, this movie is like scripture to me. It's nearly perfect, but I'm curious from you guys. Did you have a least meaningful scene or a least meaningful moment in the movie? I, I think, and I struggle with this because I love this movie, you know, and, and so it, it seems almost sacrilege to, to say that anything is your least favorite. But if I'm, if I'm looking at specifically what these scenes are doing, there are two, there are actually two things that I think, I don't know that we need those. I don't know, number one, that we need the storyline with C-3PO getting dismantled and you know, Chewbacca having to go put him back together and all that, it provides some comedic relief. And it, and I guess it gets them running faster through Cloud City, through Bespin, because C-3PO slows you down. Uh, but you put him on Chewbacca's That's back and think he's about fine. That. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but that was bothersome to me last night when I was rewatching, because even in that scene with the, with the carbonite, and there's the, there's the the impact of that. It's so serious. It's so moving. And you've got C-3PO saying, turn around, turn around. I can't see a thing. You know? <laughs> it kind yeah. of brings it down for me, you know? And then my, so my second one, I, this sounds terrible because the snow speeder is my favorite vehicle in all of Star Wars. And the AT-ATs are so crazy cool. And that, you know, wrapping around the legs is awesome. But when I look at that battle, I think, okay, does... Does that establish anything that wasn't established anyway? I, you know, I, I, yeah, the film is, so this isn't just a great film in my opinion. This is, this is my favorite film and this is like the greatest film to me. It's just, it, it just hits for me personally every, and yeah, I could get a little bit more scholarly and make arguments why it's not. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't have a scene that I think needs to be taken out. I do want to respond to the C3, the C3PO scene because yeah. I think that right there it's important because it sort of foreshadows that the, that the, that the uh, the empire is on on Cloud City, and we're sort of getting a taste because you know he walks in and he walked in on something he shouldn't have seen. So I I get what you're saying, mm -hmm. and it definitely like C3PO is the foreshadowing of Jar Jar Binks in some ways. I mean let's let's be honest. You could you could almost make an argument that George Lucas was very committed to having one character that was just all comic relief. Definitely C3PO. Um, and, but, but the snow speeder dude, I, I just, I have to, I, I don't agree with that. I think it's <laughs> one of the greatest scenes on the planet. And I even love Dak when he's like, I could take on the whole empire myself. I love just that, that gritty confidence and that these young, and, and the other thing that scene does is it really does show you that the rev, that the rebels, the Alliance, that they were sort of on their heels in some areas in the sense that they didn't have the better equipment. They didn't have all this stuff, but they were willing to fight with the garbage, you know, uh, that they did have. Because yeah. again, I don't know if you can talk about Star Wars without talking about the toys. And Rob, I don't know if that was on your list because I'm an avid toy collector. But but just the 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 the, the dirtiness of the vehicles for the Alliance and those snow speeders that 
if you really look, compare it to like the Empire and what the Alliance got, they're not cool, but they're cool. They're so cool. Because they're being used for the, they're, for, they're used for the right reason. So yeah, it is sacrilegious to take out anything yeah. of Empire Strikes <laughs> Back in my opinion. You know, it is a really important point because uh, again, when you've seen this movie a hundred times, you can be like, whatever. But I think what you said that they are on the run is so important with that stuff in Hoth. Because I do feel like the real story gets started once Luke goes to Dagobah. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back is. But the whole background is, like, these are people who are like, we can't defeat them. They have the Death Star. They have We saw the Death Star blow up, and so we're like, oh, mission accomplished. But it's like, no, they still have all these Star Destroyers. The AT-AT walkers are stronger than anything we have. Like, it's like, we are the JV team going against the varsity team, and we are on our heels, and we're literally, like, scattered across the galaxy now as this weak remnant. And then Luke has to somehow be the hero. Like, that background is really important. George Lucas... You know, he he took from a lot of other texts and stories. It's like you could argue this is an intertextual like composition of just a bunch right. of cool, really great stories. Like you said, Darren, it's not going to go like space westerns and like it, it. You know, you could say Metropolis is the first sci-fi, but I don't know. I think I would argue that a hundred years from now, Star Wars will be the the first sci-fi. But what what George Lucas did, which I love in every film, is he likes to make sure that we see that the Alliance should be losing. That there is no conceivable reason that they should be able to win. Right. They do it masterfully at the end of Return of the Jedi, where you're starting to see Ewoks die, and it's not until Chewbacca literally saves the universe by getting into you know an ATST and saves the day. But I, I really do love how George Lucas always puts the Alliance in that position of failure, and then it takes just this. It's almost like the Star Wars version of a miracle, which is the force to save the day. And I, so I love how they're always about to lose. I love them on their heels. We love an underdog for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that like what you said before, Ryan, is really true as well of like their stuff is so scuffed up. It's so dirty. You know, you look at Star Trek, which is another thing that I love, but their uniforms are clean yeah. and crisp. Their spaceships are, you know, really pretty and polished. And Star Wars is like, no, it's got this like rough, more kind of messed up thing to it. And that's part of what makes it like cool. Okay, everyone, so the way it works in meaning of the movie is you get to give your final argument on what is the meaning of The Empire Strikes Back. So we may have covered some of this ground before, but this is your chance to really say, this is it, this is my closing argument, this is what the movie means. Darren Shaw, what is the meaning of Empire Strikes Back? Ooh, oh boy. All right, well, I think, I think that what we see in Empire Strikes Back is we see these characters all growing in different ways by having to take some personal or emotional uh, risks that they haven't had to take before. And I think what we're posed with it it, several times during, during the film is we're posed with that question, what things are worth taking at risk for? And so we see that like in Luke's training uh, and then in his decision about whether or not to leave that training, he's got to decide if he's going to face Vader Are his friends worth it. Uh, You know, Yoda's even asking him like, well, if you love, you know, if you, really care about your friends, you'll stick with your training. So he's really torn with that. We see Han and Leia uh, taking like personal risks, letting their guard down uh, so that they can sort of dive into this attraction that they have to one another, this love they have for one another. Um, And we we see even, uh, Ryan had, had mentioned it earlier on, we see Darth Vader even having this little bit of emotional growth and letting him go at the end. It's awesome. 
Ryan, what's the meaning of The Empire Strikes Back? Well, I sort of sort of alluded to this. I think the the films as a whole, they are about hope. As Darren was just saying, when Luke Skywalker had a choice while he was still on Dagobah and, you know, Yoda's like, hey, you could save your friends for now, but, you're, you know, you're not going to save the universe. I actually think that maybe that was a test because Luke Skywalker, what's the point in saving the universe if you can't save your friends? And so really, while the films are about hope, this this one is about hope for the people I love, not for the universe that I exist in. And so in that sense, it makes it very, very personal. And so there's there's no point in fighting a struggle if you can't contextualize that or you can't put a face to that. And that's what this film does. I mean, you know, the, the Star Wars universe is definitely concerned with good and evil and justice and darkness and light. But this film is concerned about the relationship between three people and what that means to them. And if it's worth fighting for, if it's worth going to, you know, Jabba the Hutt's palace by the time of Return of Jedi and risk their lives for, you know, Han Solo, it's worth fighting this great battle if you'll do it for those whom you love. Those are really good takes, fellas. I think I'm right in line with you when I think like I love the word risk, Darren, because I think that's at the heart of this movie, which is like take a risk. But with most movies, the moral is like, take a risk and you're going to win the day. And what's so interesting about this movie is like everyone takes a risk and that risk gets met with failure and heartache. Luke takes the risk to go find his friends and he it doesn't really change anything. Right. I think that's what Yoda was saying. It's like Han still gets frozen in carbonite. They still go off in the Millennium Falcon like Luke makes no difference in their destiny at all. But he still took the risk for them. And what he got for that was his hand cut off and a lot of emotional baggage that he has to deal with. Leia opens up her heart and is like, "Okay, I'm the guarded princess. I'm finally going to love. And what she gets is she loses her love. Han Solo, who's always looking out for himself, just trying to make money for himself, is like, all right, I'm going to stick up for something else. And then he gets frozen. And so everyone takes a risk. And that risk gets met with pain and heartache and failure. And that's what makes this movie so amazing to me, is there's not this happy ending. But what makes Star Wars Star Wars, you said this word, Ryan, and it's so right, is there's still hope. Like, yes, you took the risk. Yes, you lost. Do not give up hope. And that, to me, is probably why I return to this movie over and over again, because I don't watch this movie in my best days when I'm in a great mood. I watch this movie when I'm in my hardest days, when I'm like, I don't know sometimes how to keep going forward. I don't even know how to deal with this problem that I'm facing. And I see these make-believe characters go through something, and I see a piece of myself in them, and I say, you know what? I took a risk. I faced heartache, but there is still hope. And that, to me, is the meaning of the movie. That's a great take. Love that. Good, right? Absolutely. Hey, uh, one other bonus question that I had that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, Normally we end the episode after that, but I did want to talk about Luke in the cave going down to meet like Darth Vader and that sort of thing. That is one of my scenes that I'm like, I can't decide if that's great or that's wonky. What's your guys' take on that scene? I definitely go through phases on that scene. There's, there's moments where it's like, okay, what? It's almost like George Lucas just found a trope or, he, you know, whatever, Dante's Inferno or something. He's like, I need to put some more, you know, literary terms in my film. And so he gives us this cave experience. But when you really pick apart that and you add that cave scene to the Dagobah experience as a whole, I think it is pivotal because what, what Yoda says, he says when Luke says what's in there and Yoda says only what you take with you. 
And I think that that's one of those lines where we have to stop and say, okay, what is Yoda trying to say? And, you know, Luke is an orphan. And he has all this baggage. And like you said, he's got baggage from the in the moment. He's got baggage from his past. He doesn't have parents. And so I think what, what Yoda was trying to convey was, hey, dude, you're about to go on a massive adventure for the rest of your life. And you're going to need to leave some stuff right here on Dagobah before you go. And that was the lesson. Yeah, and I think, I think without that line, without that only what you take with you, uh, then this scene doesn't make a lot of sense. Not at all. As a moviegoer, I'm, I'm looking at what happens and, you know, he, he meets Darth Vader and then the mask explodes and, oh my gosh, it's him. It's Luke or it's bigger Luke. It's, you know, it's one of the Lukes. Uh, and, and, I, and I see him there and I start wondering, okay, well, what did he, did he take in his fear with him? Did, is this some crazy kind of foreshadowing? Am I supposed to look at this and say, oh, these guys are somehow more connected than I thought they were uh, in the first place? Um, but even if I... There are some scenes where even if I don't know what the answer is, the questions that it raises make it worth it. And so, and I feel like this cave, the cave mm -hmm. scene is one of those for me. Awesome answer, you guys. Thanks for <laughs> indulging me with that. I was like, oh, the cave scene. I'm meant to talk about that. Uh, for me, this is the fun <laughs> of Empire Strikes Back, which is like, it's a familiar movie. It's a movie you can just pop some popcorn and watch and enjoy. Or there's all this like philosophy and religion and ideas in it that are worth looking at and exploring. And I think we did a good job today. How'd you guys feel about the episode? It was fun. I, I feel it. good it about blast. it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being here, Ryan and Darren. Uh, for everyone else, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, follow along with the podcast. We'll be coming up with some more episodes. Until then, we'll see you next time on The Meaning of the Movie.